This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My favorite shows of the year, our favorite picks in every single round of your fantasy football draft. Previously, we put our heads together. Hayden, you and I got in the lab, picked a name between us. This year, we're keeping our brains separated for the sake of the universe out there. You are in the hot seat. One name, 18 rounds. How was this exercise for you? Uh, This was pretty straightforward because I've written so much damn articles on underdognetwork.com, but glad to put it all together. And instead of just talking about the same exact players over and over game, I have made a couple of adjustments just for conversation's sake. You you sent me the list ahead of time just for some prep work. And I will say, I thought that we would have discussed all 18 of these names at some point this summer. No, there's a handful that we have not discussed at all. So I can't wait to get into it with you. As you all know, you can draft right now on Underdog Fantasy. Click the link in the description down below. Best ball season is in full force. Now is the time before August to draft. All right, we'll go round by round, and we kick it off with round one. Yeah, so my favorite player to draft is Justin Jefferson. When you get the 101, (laughs) when you refresh and you just get the 101, you're like, all right, I'm in good shape. And before we get into the tape, I just want to like make this abundantly clear what we're talking about Justin Jefferson He has the most fantasy points through his age 23 season. He's had the most fantasy points of any wide receiver through his first three years in the league. And if you just look at this, this is receiving yards. Justin Jefferson has 4,800 receiving yards through his age 23 season. Second closest, this guy named Randy Moss, 700 fewer yards. Just like the trajectory that Justin Jefferson is on is out of control. And he's actually kind of a positive regression candidate. He scored like almost three fewer touchdowns than he would have expected based off of his usage. The Vikings are going to be very pass-heavy, very uh, up there in pace. The defense is still bad, and Jeff, Justin Jefferson is just one of these ballers. And the kind of the one rare thing is people say, oh, my favorite player gets double-teamed all the time. It's actually not true. Justin Jefferson truly does get double-teamed, but he has this ability to kind of work between both defenders and still create leverage. He can make plays down the field, underneath everything. He's a special player. He's the best wide receiver in the league right now. The show gets better from here than the one-on-one in every draft being named as Hayden's favorite pick in the first round. But it makes sense. I mean, finished, as, as you said, as the wide receiver one, despite scoring just eight touchdowns last year and just five touchdowns inside the 10-yard line, despite having the second most targets in that area of the field. I don't expect the large number to change. If the efficiency does change, then we could have a Cooper Cup 2021-esque season from Justin Jefferson here. 
And what's crazy is, again, the wide receiver won last year on eight touchdowns. Devontae Adams scored 14 touchdowns. So it's like, again, there's room to grow. And we also trust this offense. Like, I trust Kevin O'Connell so much to have pace, to throw the ball, and to call an offense that is able to manufacture opportunities with Justin Jefferson being open or, you know, allowing him to create it for himself. Uh, the easy, I think, one-on-one this year for sure. Yep. I don't want, want to spend any more time. Everyone knows. <laughs> okay, let's go, though. Round two, who is it? Saquon Barkley. He's now, like, at a back half of the round two, and I will keep gobbling all that up. Last year, he was a running back five. He was a 10th overall player in fantasy points over replacement per game. His backup's Matt Breida. He's not going to all of a sudden eat into his workload. Saquon's workload is just so amazing. And I think the offensive line has a chance to be better this year. Andrew Thomas just got a huge bag. This is the second year for right tackle Evan Neal, one of the highest prospects in a couple years ago in that draft. They drafted a second-round center. Both of their guards are returning. And I just think that Saquon Barkley, because they're still missing some talent at the other skill positions, he's still going to catch all these passes. And I think there is still a chance where you can add a little bit more explosiveness. He was not exactly the same as he was before that injury, but hopefully another year removed. And I like that he came back, didn't have to sign this little contract, only got like a million dollars in incentives, but he wanted to play. He wanted to get out there. Um, I'm just rooting for him. We basically got rookie year Saquon Barkley all over again. I mean, 10 touchdowns, 1,300 yards, 76 targets, 57 receptions, another 338 yards in the air. I, I want to ask you this question because people have been drafting since May. Now that he has signed this money, do you think we see Saquon Barkley end up as like the 12th pick of the first round? Yeah, I think that Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley are both second round picks right now that I will be ranking inside my top 12. So I think these are first round picks that you can get in the second round. And whenever they're on the board in round two, um, I keep going. And now my decision before when there was the contract stuff, I had Nick Chubb over Saquon Barkley. Now I'm having that debate, but both of them will be ahead of ADP. Round three. Round three is Jalen Hurts. So <clears throat> this is like basically the best environment you can possibly draw up. Last year, he was a quarterback one. He was the 11th overall player in fantasy points over placement per game. He had 11 rushing touchdowns inside the 10-yard line. The next closest quarterback was at five. And this offense is just so aggressive. First and fourth down aggressiveness. First in neutral pace. Seventh in neutral pass rate. He only completed 2.6 passes per game in the fourth quarter. That was dead last as a team in the fourth quarter, even behind like the Bears and the Ravens, who were just like basically inept passing the ball last year. And he's not even a regression candidate because his passing numbers, he had 4.8% touchdown rate. That's like normal eight yards per attempt. That's good. That's not like crazy outlier level. And they're just going to probably pass the ball more because the schedule is a little bit harder. And there's just so many ways for Jalen Hurts to win. And I think people are still underestimating how much quarterbacks are starting to separate a little bit. And I just don't see how this fails for Jalen Hurts. We talked about on the 32 Facts show, he's my quarterback one per Rich Rebar. Hurts was eighth in the NFL in first half pass attempts, 24th in second half pass attempts, 32nd in fourth quarter pass attempts. As you said, it was something like 2.6 completions in fourth quarters this year. So like, we can expect regression to hit with maybe fewer rushing touchdowns or fewer first half points for the Philadelphia Eagles. 
but there's always this lever to pull with him of, hey, fourth quarters are still a territory that has not been mm -hmm. conquered on this great Philadelphia Eagles team. And they are still great. Nothing yep. has changed for them offensively. So I expect it to remain as Jalen Hurts, you know, being at least to me, the top quarterback in fantasy football. And they have three dudes at pass catcher. Yes. They don't even use Dallas Goddard anymore because Devonta Smith is so good. <laughs> if one of the two wide receivers goes down, I think that Dallas Goddard can be a workhorse there too. So there's a little bit of injury kind of depth uh, in Philly as well. Philadelphia ran just 106 plays all season when trailing in second halves of games. Uh, that is probably going to change despite how good we think they are going to be. Spoiler alert. This is the only quarterback on your list. Why? Is it because you're always going to take one of the top three or four or maybe even five? And mm -hmm. then with your quarterback, too, it's all dependent on who you're stacking with. Yeah, so I'm trying to get one of the top six or seven quarterbacks. That includes Justin Herbert and just uh, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence as well if I have the stacks in place, but these third round quarterbacks to me, I love, I like Josh Allen in the third round, Patrick Mahomes, the third round. But like you said, I'm on Jalen Hurts quarterback one round four. So caveat here, Joe Burrow just uh, was on a cart and he had a little calf injury. It looks like assuming that's fine. I'm going with Joe Mixon here. Last year's Bengals running backs combined for the six most expected half PPR points. Like I said, in the last show, the Bengals were 29th in average depth of target. They fought, faced a lot more too high shells after going nuclear against cover one and cover three defenses. That means more running back checkdowns. Joe Mixon last year, career high in target 75, career high in receptions 60. Samaje Piran, who's no longer on the team, 51 targets. Piran also had five expected touchdowns. And it was a bad season for Joe Mixon. And I don't know if that's ever going to come back, you know, but he did have positive regression for this year. He scored four fewer touchdowns than he would have expected. He actually had the third most expected touchdowns at 13 last year. So he was already last year, even though he underperformed based off of his usage, he was still the RB9. He was still the 21st overall player in fantasy points per game. I know a ton of them came in that one game, but I just don't really buy that Travion Williams or Chris Evans or one of those guys is going to be as good as Samaj P. Ryan. So if that's true, then I think there's a lot of room for Joe Mixon to eat here. I don't know. My version of this show next week might include Travion Williams. And I almost included in mine. <laughs> you did mention it. And Producer Weaves, shout out to Producer Weaves every single time, uh, said this in the Slack. A little pushback to you. 53 of, two, of his 210 fancy points last season occurred in just one game. But then that elevated him with that included to the running back nine in points per game for the entire mm -hmm. season. You're not having to pay the running back nine price tag. You're getting him here as running back 15. And this is actually the 10th pick in the fourth round. He can have the same exact role that he had last year and pay off, I think, this running back 15 price tag. And like you said, if he gets half of that true third or fourth down passing down usage that Samaj P. Ryan previously had, then you are conquering the gap of what he has not been able to achieve so far, even though he has shown the receiving ability and those skills on first and second down. My And my counter to Weaves, who's doing a fantastic job. About Weaves. 53 fantasy points in a game. Give me <laughs> players that are able to do that. Absolutely love it. And if you can't tell, uh, when I'm pulling up, obviously, the ADP, it's the top is the start of the round. So this would be round four. And the bottom is the end of round four. Okay, let's kick it on over then to round five. 
Deontay Johnson, and this is wild. I want to show you guys how I don't have these biases on players. Some years I'll hate a player. Sometimes I'll love them. And with Deontay Johnson, I am buying the dip here. Last year, he was the wide receiver 19 in expected fantasy points. One problem, he was awful. Truly, truly awful. He had zero touchdowns on seven expected touchdowns. That was obviously the biggest difference in the NFL last year. Career low, six yards per target. He only caught 26% of his deep targets. The NFL average is at 45%. So this is just a bet on regression coming back for Deontay Johnson. There's not been a wide receiver with this much regression. And I actually kind of believe it because he, he let's be honest here. He, he is a pretty good player. You know, he yeah, does get open. Of course he is. And it wasn't that like Kenny Pickett was just really bad at throwing the ball to Deontay Johnson. George Pickens and Pat Fryermuth were actually decent deep target players. Deontay was just running really bad. And I also just want to keep reiterating this point about this is a young offense. Kenny Pickett will get better. Pat Fryermuth will get better. Uh, Deontay Johnson still is young enough where he, there's a chance that he gets better. George Pickens will get better. So I know there's some restraints around the offensive coordinator here, but you're getting like the wide receiver three flex price tag. For a player who's already been a top 15 fantasy wide receiver before, and even last year, his usage was in the wide receiver two range. I was going to say that this is one of the biggest moments in show history, naming Deontay Johnson one of your 18 favorite picks in 2023 fantasy football. But then reading between the lines of what you said, um, you're not saying you're a fan of Deontay Johnson. You're saying that you're a fan of your models and your spreadsheets because it's just regression. That's right. Narcissism. <laughs> Yeah, uh, what I love, what I love, I mean, let's be real though. Deontay Johnson is an elite separator on the field. He had 147 targets last year and zero touchdowns. Um, after posting, you know, seven and eight touchdowns the previous two seasons, he actually had the tenth highest market share of his team's red zone targets across the mm -hmm. NFL of all pass catchers, and still didn't score a touchdown. I, th yeah. I I'm in a different camp than you. I actually think Deontay Johnson is, is good at football, but I'm glad we can meet in the middle here and uh, both select him uh, in here in the fifth round. My official stance on Deontay, great route runner. He has separation ability. He just isn't explosive enough and or physical enough to be a true difference maker. And I think that's why like he grades well in like reception perception because he gets open all the time. But that like DK Metcalf ability, like he just doesn't have that, which is fine. We're yeah. we're paying decreased price tags. That's fine. And the Steelers wide receivers' brains do leave their bodies uh, every once in a while on the field. Yes. He's being selected as the eighth pick in the fifth round. Let's now jump to the sixth round. So my player here is Damian Pierce. We've talked about him a ton, but this is just a way, way, way better environment. If you look at just what the Texans' offensive line was dealing with last year, their left guard, the worst plaque the worst block efficiency in the NFL, their center second worst block efficiency, the right guard fifth worst blocking efficiency. But this year, the left guard, he's, he was a first rounder last year. He's going into a second year. He should not be the worst left guard in the league. The center, he was a replacement. They just drafted him second rounder this year. And then their right guard, Shaq Mason gave him $30 million. So we're looking at an offensive line. That should be way better. The left tackle, right tackle are both very good players. He just Stroud's a much better player. And Damian Pierce has like already had plenty enough usage. He's the running back 15 in fantasy usage, 20 plus opportunities in nine of 11 games. And when you watch the tape of Damian Pierce, the dude runs so hard. He averaged almost 0.3 of force missed tackles per carry. Devin Singletary is not going to challenge him. I like seven Devin Singletary by his 
own right later in the draft because I do think that he can handle some work. Yeah. But Damian Pierce is just a much better football player. And if the Texans are going to go from like the worst offense in the league to the 25th best offense in the league, not asking for a whole lot. I do think that Damian Pierce can turn into like an upside RB2. We've already seen him be a low-end RB2 last year, despite the Texans looking terrible. The 10th pick of the sixth round, you can get Damian Pierce. He's one of my favorite players in the league. Uh, through 10 weeks of the NFL season, he was third in the NFL in carries, fifth in rushing yards. But the, the, the Texans sucked. The worst team in the league, the worst offense to watch. So that only equaled three touchdowns. As you said, I'll use different words. Like sometimes we can't comprehend just how much offseason changes can take a bad team up to average. That's all we're asking for is this team to get to average. And with a new quarterback, top five pick, a new play caller, new head coach, maybe the second lowest touchdown scored by a team last year at 29 gets the league average, and that's 40. And that gives us, I don't know, four or five more for Damian Pierce. It's truly, I think, the best case this season of tides raise all ships, you know? Yep. And Damian Pierce is so good at creating on his own. Just imagine him in an average environment and i'm all in on him this season this season as well the texans second most expensive offensive line in the league wow it's good news um by the way this round starts with george kittle and goes all the way down to damien pierce slash your next name um which is jordan addison so this one is a little bit of a cheat code for me but bear with me we talked about justin jefferson the Vikings were second in expected fancy points to their wide receivers. Adam Thielen was second in routes run among the wide receiver position last year. He was a top 40 overall fantasy player the year before that. Adam Thielen was just not very good anymore. And I think that Jordan Addison has a chance to be actually pretty good. His uh, final season, 94th percentile in PPR points per game among drafted wide receivers. Sports Info Solutions, 4.4 yards per route run against man coverage. That is wild. And the secret trait that Jordan Addison is better at is yards after the catch. He had seven yards after the catch uh, per reception last year. Could be used in the screen game. Could win one-on-one -on -one coverage. Like we talked about with Justin Jefferson actually getting double teams. It's layup season for Jordan Addison if he's any good. I don't think that KJ Osborne is necessarily a difference maker. I think TJ Hawkinson is. But with how much pace and how much pass attempts and how bad this defense is, there's enough for three of these fantasy players to be uh, upside picks. I think that Jordan Addison has a chance to be like a wide receiver too, uh, just how Adam Thielen was just a couple years ago. I actually threw up because we've put a compilation together of Justin Jefferson being jammed and literally double teamed uh, in week three. And Kevin O'Connell basically cited this after they selected Jordan Addison in round one saying, hey, our second outside wide receiver is going to get more advantageous looks than any other second wide receiver in the league. And all we need to do is for you to line up in isolation and win against man coverage. Guess what? Jordan Addison torched man coverage last year for 3.28 yards per route run this past season. He succeeded in the slot. He succeeded out wide. As you have noted, these were the top two wide receivers and routes last year on the Minnesota Vikings. And it's just an upgrade should be first round talent from mm -hmm. Adam Thielen over to Jordan Addison. Yep. And a Trojan. And you slightly cheated. Let's be real. I mean, he's the 11th mm -hmm. pick right now Come in on. the sixth round. Uh, so in this case he falls, but not the major cheat, which is the next pick that should be in the eighth round. 
Who is it? David Montgomery. Um, I had to squeeze this one in because he's going to be my highest drafted player. Uh, but I wanted to make sure I got Jordan Addison in there as well. I don't think you have to draft Jordan Addison or David Montgomery as high in like your normal redraft leagues. They go a little bit higher in best ball because the upside for David Montgomery is legit. Jamal Williams, for as crazy of a season as he had last year, he only had one game with over 50% of the snaps. David Montgomery has his upside case where if Jameer Gibbs, who basically wasn't used at the goal in any capacity, he maxed out only at 195 touches in college. The Lions had 509 running back touches last year. So there's an opportunity for David Montgomery to have 200 or even more touches in this exact offense. And that's enough to get him in the flex value. But this upside case, if Jameer Gibbs misses time, he's a smaller back, or if he just has some rookie uh, bumps along the way, he is switching uh, the type of offense that he's used to running. And David Montgomery got two years, $10 million. That's a lot for a running back position. He's already been a top 70 overall player in fantasy points over placement per game in the last two years on a much worse offense here. So to me, this is like, is he going to be Jamal Williams? No, he doesn't have to be. He's not going to get that lucky at the goal line. But David Montgomery has a chance to soak up bell cow usage. And in that environment with the Lions, who were first from running back fantasy usage as a team last year, I just think there's way more upside. He kind of reminds me of kind of like these like James Conner, Josh Jacobs type of guys that just because they're slow, nobody wants to tout them. But give me all of these guys. Let's rewind and remember the calendar of when all the running backs signed this offseason free agency. Um, everyone was basically available, including Jamal Williams and Brad Holmes and company focused their attention, focused their wallets on Dave Montgomery ahead of yep. Jamal Williams. We this is not a clone, a one-on-one, a one-to-one comparison of what Jamal Williams did last season, because I don't think Dave Montgomery is reliant on touchdowns to score like Jamal Williams was. Montgomery creates in his own, as we can see here. Uh, and as the GM said, he is better in the passing game than what they trusted Jamal Williams with last season. Um, look, I'm sure that they, at the time, still had a big grade on Jameer Gibbs. And it se- seems like their first round priority, other than Devin Witherspoon, was to get Jameer Gibbs on this roster. And they succeed with it. But these two can coexist in offense that utilizes their running backs to a huge degree that had a ton of inside the 20 and inside the 10 yard drives last season. I just love Dave Montgomery's talent in this spot mm-hmm. that you have to draft him of the fifth pick of the second of the seventh round. Yeah. My last note here, Jameer Gibbs only 10 carries with two or fewer yards to go in college. 10. Ooh. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Let's get back on track. Round nine is who Zach Charbonnet. And I love Kenneth Walker, but Kenneth Walker didn't make my list. Zach Charbonnet, I hope you don't have to draft him in the ninth round in your standard leagues. But in best ball, when we're shooting for upside, I do think that Zach Charbonnet has a ton of it. I was just looking back at his college profile again, and man, his stats were unbelievable. He was 93rd percentile in PPR points per game among drafted running backs, 93rd percentile in yards per game, 72% success rate on these short yardage carries, three or fewer yards to go. He led all college football running backs last year in EPA per carry. He had 4.2 yards after contact, plus he caught 24 and then 37 passes at UCLA. It takes a lot for me to tout any UCLA Bruins, but I do think that Zach Charbonnet's tape (laughs) is very good. He can coexist with Kenneth Walker, but in the event Kenneth Walker misses some time, I want to have some uh, 
some just a couple draft picks to the Seahawks team because this Seahawks team looks so damn good to me. And I do think that Zach Charbonnet is one of these guys, kind of a throwback rusher that can handle a big workload. Plus his hands are pretty soft for somebody that weighs around 220 pounds. This is going to be an amazing backfield to watch on a weekly basis. I mean, both of these guys are extremely talented. And to your point about Kenneth Walker, we've talked about it a lot. In fact, the notion that he is not a good runner out there because he's not efficient, to me, shouldn't we prioritize someone that you know can be a home run hitter that can change the course of an outcome of a game in one or two carries like Kenneth Walker can, for sure. And so many of his negative runs, as we outlined in our second-year running back show, uh, was because of just blown blocks up front. But if you are, and if the Seahawks are, nervous about that section of their game, guess who thrives in that area? It's Zach Charbonnet. 39.5% of his carries resulted in a first down or a touchdown last year. The highest rate of last year's draft class failed to gain yardage on just 9.7% of his carries this past year. The lowest rate in this draft class. So it's like the mm-hmm. yin and yang they get in their back. Yep. Yeah, it was like the JSN pick. He was the perfect complement to their downfield guys. In week one, they get to the three-yard line. How shocking would it be if Charbonnet was on the goal line back? Like, there's a chance that that happens. There is a chance. And, you know, I bet we do not see Kenneth Walker very much, if at all, during the preseason. But maybe Zach Charbonnet gives us a bit of a tell. Like, if he is used Mm -hmm. consistently or if he's subbed in for – Kenny McIntosh or whoever else is in this backfield just for an inside the 10 or 20 yard line inside the five yard line opportunity yeah. during the preseason. Those are the types of details that we really want to dive into in these split backfield mm-hmm. scenarios for sure. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service, bathrobes and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have, and you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series, and when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right, three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals slash underdog. Round 10. And this is going to be Juju Smith-Schuster. His ADP dropped with all the DeAndre Hopkins speculation. I'm not sure if he's going to get pushed up, even though that that DeAndre Hopkins now a Titans. This just kind of like is a layup to me. Jacoby Myers and Juju Smith-Schuster, they're basically the same player. If you look at like yards per route run, they're very similar. Jacoby Myers was the wide receiver 36. Juju last year was the wide receiver 38 in fantasy points over placement per game. They gave him a $20 million contract over the next two years. And I think there's a chance that this Patriots offense, like you said, goes from like really bad to league average. And I think that Mac Jones at this point is now underrated. I was just looking at the quarterbacks who had over 400 pass attempts in their first two seasons since 2000. There's been 85 quarterbacks. Mac is second in completion percentage, which is not the best stat, but he's also 28th in passer rating. He was also 28th 
and yards per attempt. Last year's Patriots, they were dead last in red zone touchdown rate. I'm expecting that to get a little bit better. This is an actual offensive coordinator. They're talking about trust. I think Devontae Parker is a little bit underrated. I think Juju Smith-Schuster at this point, like Matt Harmon said, is a little bit underrated. And I think that this is just somebody that you can draft him. Was he like the wide receiver 45 or something like that? I like his odds to be like the wide receiver 33, somewhere in that range. And, and this is a really tough spot in the draft. Like when I'm on the clock in this around this area, I'm just looking for anybody because it seems like everyone's overvalued. So I'll take the boring pick in Juju Smith-Schuster. Wide receiver 55 is where wow. Smith-Schuster is going. Again, I want, want to rewind the clock. Jacoby Myers was available to re-sign and the New England Patriots prioritized Juju Smith-Schuster. As you said, he got more guaranteed money in his contract. I think going into that second season compared to Jacoby Myers got mm-hmm. out there in Las Vegas. What do you think about the theory I threw out there with Bill Barnwell on that show earlier this week that this could be one of the heaviest RPO teams in the league because Mac Jones did a lot of that at Alabama, thrived on it, and now we get the Juju Smith-Schuster, Mike Gesicki, who both have succeeded in offenses like that. I, I do like that, and there's a lot of like first reads, and Juju Smith-Schuster yep. is going to be short, in-breaking routes, slants, out-breaking routes, and all those like in-breaking short yardage routes are where you get a lot of those targets. And Mac Jones, he's like not an athletic player, but his ability to get the ball out on time and really quickly on these RPO looks is actually pretty impressive. Yeah, as you said, that this area of the draft is where it starts to get interesting just as we hit the double digits. This round starts with Rashad Penny, and it goes all the way down to Devon A. Chain and Khalil Herbert. You can take Juju Smith-Schuster as the 10th pick of the 10th round. Okay, round 11. Jamal Williams, this is my guy. And this is like one of these where it's like... Is he actually my favorite 11th round pick? No, but we haven't talked about this backfield. What? We haven't talked about Jamal Williams once this offseason in terms mm-hmm. of him being a New Orleans Saint. Yeah, so the twerk god got $8 million guaranteed, which is decent uh, money here. This would be a pick that's probably like not for every single build, but if you are a zero RB guy, if you're a hero RB guy, I think there's a chance that Jamal Williams will be like an RB2 flex play for the first four to six games of the season because... Alvin Kamara, we're bracing for a four-game suspension somewhere around there. Uh, I mean, he really beat this guy up, and it's on video. Like, the precedent is there for, like, a four-game suspension. Kendrick Miller, who we, I think, both liked on tape, he's missed so much of this offseason. He's just starting to get out there right now. There's been some kind of weirdness going on with the Kendrick Miller uh, reporting, and I think that just goes back to the basics. Who's going to be there on goal line opportunities? I think it's going to be Jamal Williams. Even when Alvin Kamara does come back, we've seen Alvin Kamara not be the goal line back. At times, I thought that Alvin Kamara the last couple seasons was kind of wearing down because he was getting into a role that just quite frankly doesn't fit his skill set. So I think that'll be like Alvin Kamara on like the traditional like rookie year Alvin Kamara stuff. And then Jamal Williams kind of as like the Mark Ingram type. And I do think that Jamal Williams could do that. So I think we're overrating probably how successful this backfield is. This coaching staff drives me crazy. The Saints were only 28th in running back usage in total. But I do think that Jamal Williams for the first couple games of the season he could be a, a starter and it's just hard to find starters in like round 11. Yeah, I talked about this with Ray GQ while you were in the uh, cruise ship pool um, that I wouldn't be surprised if Alvin Kamara goes back to his rookie year usage and mainly as a passing down player. I mean, look, we try to follow the money and the moves that these teams do. By all indications, they don't want Alvin Kamara to be a bell cow anymore. Mm-hmm. Again, Jamal Williams is one of our favorite players in the league. But I don't know if that's because of his talent. Like, I think he's a, a very, 
average to below average back. I mean, the distance of his touchdowns last year, 53, 13, 7, and 4 yards, then 3 from the 2-yard line, and then 10 from the 1-yard line. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how many opportunities he's going to get with that. And sure, he might be one of the best runners from inside the two-yard line in the league, but I don't know exactly what he does more than that. And I actually have an optimistic view on Kendra Miller. I think they were just being cautious with the MCL injury that kept him out of uh, the draft process. And I bet we see a good amount of him and looking good in the preseason as well. I'm going to pull up your little rankings over here. If you could scroll down for me, it's just one of these tiers. It's just like, I mean, I was looking through like none of, I don't want any of these guys. I mean, you've talked up Elijah Mitchell before. Yeah. I, I, I I almost picked Elijah Mitchell, but then I would be like, if more on another show, I I heard that this is just an opportunity to talk about. Again, we've only talked, discussed Jamal Williams as a Detroit lion. We have not discussed him as a new Orleans saint. And I was hoping that we'd get some more twerking but in the highlight <laughs> clips, but we didn't want to get demonetized. Round 12. It gets a little bit better here. Yeah. Um, Van Jefferson. I was going between like Tyler Higby, Matthew Stafford, Van Jefferson. It's all the same. But I love that point that he made on one of our shows. I forget which one. Where Andy Benoit, who is in the media world, he was working for Sean McVay for a couple of years. He said and when he, in his preview that the Rams X-Factor is Van Jefferson back in 2021 in a more crowded room. Van Jefferson was 130th overall player. That's not like anything crazy, but he is getting better year by year. This is a contract year for him. As much as we love the Puka Nakua hype in June, we, as much as we love Tutu Atwell on the two splash plays that he makes per season, I think that Van Jefferson is a more consistent player. And there is like a ton of contingent upside if something happened to Cooper Cup. So, uh, this meets the quota. Gotta talk about the Rams and how much they're gonna pass the ball <laughs> on every show. But this year I'm taking or this podcast, I'm taking the Van Jefferson approach. Yeah, he's wide receiver 62 at the moment in the 11th round. Um, yeah, I mean, that show was our wide receiver sleeper show, and this team runs, you know, the most 11 personnel in the league at 92% of their snaps. And they literally only added Puka Nakua to the room. And he might be the third option of that grouping. Like Van Jefferson's going to be out there at all times. And I know it was a couple seasons ago, but when Robert Woods got hurt and Odell was acclimating to this team, mm-hmm. Van Jefferson stood out with 12.3, 10.3, 16.8, 13.1, 13.8 in five of seven straight games. Like wow. he has done this before in a stretch of five of seven games in the same exact offense. Yep. And the gap of what 61 spots or 59 spots between their team's wide receiver one and getting their team's wide receiver two, uh, that should pay off if people do stay healthy. That's yep. for sure. All right. Next up, it is round 13. So I'm just going to show you a picture and you're going to tell me if this guy plans to run the shit out of the ball. Arthur Smith with this mustache is going to be feeding Tyler Algier the damn football. Algier had a pretty good season last year, um, but really it's just back to the team environment. They were eighth in running back fantasy usage. One of the best offensive lines in the entire NFL. Uh, Tyler Algier, he had the most yards over expected per carry in the rookie class last year. The second most yards after contact. He averaged 15 touches per game once he was named the starter. So this is a contingent play, but I would not hold it past Arthur Smith and this mustache. If Algier mixed in at the goal line a couple more times 
than you would like here. Um, Tyler Algier, good player, great offensive line, and this dude just dying to run the football. Uh, Tyler Algier starts this grouping. He is the start of round 13 that ends actually with Devin Singletary or Alec Pierce. Um, I like this a lot. I mean, the Bijan pick makes people think he's about to inherit 80% of the workload, and that's just not the case. And whenever I start hearing offensive weapon stuff, my yeah. ears perk up and I get a little nervous. Like, again, I would rather Arthur Smith come out there and say, yeah, we're going to give 350 touches to mm -hmm. B. John Robinson. Not, oh, we're going to use him in a variety of places. Because when I hear variety of places, it makes me want to take the simple guy. And the simple one is Tyler mm -hmm. Algier that you're allowed to get here so much later on in the draft. Yeah, I agree. I'm and getting that, weird that's vibes. What I'm saying, and that made it sound like I would rather have Tyler Algier on my team than Bijan Robinson. But with all things considered, like this is he's going to get work. He's going to get opportunities. It's not to me a case of, hey, 350 touches for Bijan and then everyone mm -hmm. else just gets scraps. Yep. Bijan will be on my bus list when, when we finally do that show. <laughs> wow. 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 Okay. Uh next up, round 15. I think it's 14. Uh, either way, Isaiah Hodgins going in this tier. And this to me is just a perfect fit with his skill set and how I think the offense in New York is going to look. Daniel Bellinger and Darren Waller, your guy, they're going to play with way more two tight end sets. That means you don't have these damn slot wide receivers on the field. And the New York Giants has so many of these dudes. Isaiah Hodgins, 82% of the snaps on the perimeter. Last year when he was in the starting lineup, he averaged over 10 half PPR points per game, which is a ton. In the wild card round, he had an 8-105-1 receiving line. I've seen people kind of uh, make the case against Isaiah Hodgins because of his contract. You and I are contract bros, but the context here, Isaiah Hodgins, he was an exclusive rights free agent. Right. There's no leverage. There's no He, he had nothing to do. He, he has had to a, come back. He had to just come back. So he signs the one-year deal. Next year, he's going to be back on a one-year deal. But I do think that Isaiah Hodgins is the player on the skill set of the entire roster that could win at the intermediate level. I think Darius Slayton is a just a vertical guy. Jalen Hyatt, most likely just a vertical guy if he's going to get on the field. And all these slot wide receivers aren't going to be on the field because they're going to run all these two tight end sets. So I think Isaiah Hodgins, I would not be surprised if he's the guy that's out on the field for 80 to 100% of the snaps out there. And I think his tape was like at least decent enough. And his college profile quietly at Oregon state was pretty solid. The reason I confuse this with the 15th round is because he's going in the 15th round. This is your make do for your yes. Dave Montgomery selection earlier. He's the fourth pick of the 15th round right now for Isaiah Hodgins. Yeah. I mean, you know me, I'm investing a lot in Darren Waller right now. Um, the wide receivers, it's all over the place. They're just like one after another, after another, I know Paris Kane was getting some love during OTAs. I feel like that has since died down. Maybe the one I'm investing a bit more in is Darius Slayton because he has like that spiked week potential. But I get yeah. your point of the, hey, two wide receiver sets, three wide receiver sets. Isaiah Hodgins might be the one who's out there in every single one of them. Big dude. And I, I do want to say, and it goes back to our conversation that we had about Darren Waller yesterday or on other shows. Um, I've seen stats used looking at the Giants offense last year and be like, why do you want to invest in all these people? Well, I think it's pretty clear that that's not who the Giants want to be moving forward. Like Brian Dayball and Mike Kafka want to air this thing out. They do want mm -hmm. to spread it out. They do want to throw the ball down the field more. It's not going to be a carbon copy. Um, so yeah, just 
use your brains and imagination a little bit and, and think a bit bigger because these guys are creative and they just knew that they had to do that last year in order to win games and make the playoffs, which guess what? They're good coaches and they did it. Yes. And early on in the season, they kept rotating all these wide receivers back and forth, back and forth. Towards the end, it solidified on Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodgins. And I think that's there's a reason for that. Real round 15 is so. Ezekiel Elliott and Mr. Bill Barnwell of ESPN, he was right. I loved that take that he had. Uh, it's as simple as this. When he signs, he's going to go up. Have we ever in basketball history had somebody sign and then all of a sudden his ADP goes down? It basically never happens. Uh, so Ezekiel Elliott, there are still tons of good landing spots with him. The Cowboys come to mind. The Bengals come to mind. Chargers, Dolphins, Ravens, all of them would be nice fits for Ezekiel Elliott. Plus, there's a chance if one of these stud running backs gets hurt. I think Zeke Elliott is viewed higher than Leonard Fournette and Kareem Hunt, uh, aside from Dalvin Cook, of all the um, remaining free agents. And even last year, he doesn't have any of the explosiveness. and None of that's coming back. But he was still top 10 in success rate on three or fewer yards to go. He's still very good in pass protection. He's a veteran guy out there. So some of these teams, I think there's just a chance where if Joe Mixon misses time, if Austin Eckler got injured, something like that, he would be the guy that would just all of a sudden go in there and be able to soak up some volume. It won't be pretty, but I do agree with what Bill Barnwell was saying. If he does go to the Chargers or the Cowboys and stuff, he would be going ahead of the Devin Singletary types, and that's already like a 3-4 plus uh, round uh, value here, and there's a chance if one of these running backs gets hurt. Like, let's say Derrick Henry gets hurt. I don't think they're going to just throw Ty J Spears in there. I think that Ezekiel Elliott can go in there, and in that case, he would have to be there be a chance where he would be like even like a 10th round pick. He still has errors where he wins on the field. As you said, pass pro and short yarded stuff. And in ways that's like de facto Jamal Williams, you mm -hmm. know, like at worst, you're probably going to get that. We seem to see him sign for a team. And I don't know, Bill seemed pretty certain it's going to be the Dallas Cowboys. So we'll see. I mean, they, they can't be serious with their current depth chart right now. <laughs> but I will say I did see a, there was a video. Tony Pollard's actually practicing yeah. getting hit actually out there. That's pretty promising. Week. Round 16, who is it? This year's mini Jamal Williams is Gus Edwards. Wow. And he's not going to score as many touchdowns as Jamal Williams. He's not going to have as good of dance moves as Jamal Williams. But Gus Edwards, I do think he's actually pretty good at the game. Even last year, he was coming back from that ACL tear. He was an eighth in yards after contact per carry. Pretty good. Since 2018, only trails Nick Chubb with 5.1 yards per carry. All that's inflated because of Lamar Jackson in this ground game. That's not going anywhere. Gus Edwards, they actually gave him uh, like $3 million up to $5 million this season to stay on the team. But really, this just goes back to J.K. Dobbins is being weird right now. And this is not just a, this offseason thing. Last year, he was mad at the coaching staff because he wanted to rush back. They finally allowed him to rush back. He had a very serious knee injury. Then he had to have a surgery, clean that thing up. Then when he J.K. Dobbins did come back, he was very efficient because he ripped off a couple big plays. But when you're watching him, he just didn't look right. And that was already a, more than a full year removed from that injury. There, I still have some worries that this injury is going to linger. And then he's already out there talking about how he wants a contract. He's going into year four. If the Ravens could franchise tag him in year five, potentially could franchise tag him in year six, on that running back Zoom call meeting, it was the best running backs in the entire league. And then J.K. Dobbins was in there. He's holding out right now. And uh, they asked Harbaugh about J.K. Dobbins. And he just like said, that's a J.K. Dobbins question. Like, don't ask me about this. He said it's complicated. The team's trying to work through it. 
But there's a lot of weirdness going on with J.K. Dobbins. You have the contract risk, the injury risk. And I do think that Gus Edwards is one of these guys where if he had that like Mark Ingram type of season from a couple of years ago, that would not surprise me. And just a few years ago, Gus Edwards signed a three-year $12.3 million deal with $8 million fully guaranteed. And then immediately he and J.K. Dobbins both mm-hmm. got injured. But as you're saying, this is a he's on the pup list, Dobbins is. Um, he wants a new contract. It's as Harbaugh put it, a complicated situation. Uh, this is probably why they signed Melvin Gordon, but I do not expect Melvin Gordon to supplant no. Gus Edwards. I just think Gus Edwards has been totally forgotten about, like mm-hmm. totally forgotten about among the league's running backs. And when he's in there, he is straight line, efficient, and 1994 would have rushed for 1,400 yards. That's fast. And you're able to get that in round 16. Do you like the mini Jamal Williams, Gus Bus, Team Gus yeah. Bus this offseason? Let's yeah. do it. Sixpence of 16th round. Okay. Round 17. Who is it? Quickly, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, don't cancel me. Two, two-way two contingent upside. Isaiah Pacheco still dealing with his injuries. Uh, he, it sounds like he's going to be ready for week one, but if Pacheco's not very good, if he's still injured, he runs really hard. I think CH goes in that role. Jarek McKinnon, very minimal contract, 31 years old. They've already had Jarek McKinnon on these like pitch counts before. CEH, even last year before he was out for the season with that ankle injury, 3.4 yards after contact per carry. Nothing too elite, but nothing like the league's worst player. I can't believe we even have clips of this. Uh, we need Here's to move the highlights. On. Yeah, <laughs> we need to move on. Uh, I have. I mean, he's now going to the 17th round and not the 18th round. So I think maybe mm-hmm. the listeners of the show are forcing mm-hmm. him up there. You have to draft uh, right now if you want Clyde Edwards on your team. In the ninth pick of the 17th round. All right, let's close it out here in round 18. It only gets worse. Chiefs tight end Noah Gray. And this is big galaxy brain stuff for me. If Travis Kelsey misses time, that changes the entire landscape. And who soaks all that goodness up? Noah Gray. He had 52 routes last year where he was the only tight end on the field when Travis Kelsey was probably taking a breather for after running for about eight yards after the catch. Noah Gray at least had 17 targets per route run on those attempts. He had two yards per route run in those attempts. He gets first team reps. He's already like the fourth guy when it comes to routes run in the playoffs last year, ahead of your Sky Moores, ahead of your Kadarius Tony. He's actually on the field. The Chiefs weirdly used a bunch of two tight end sets. And three tight end sets. Exactly. The dude's actually out there. You know, like we're, we're trying here and at the worst case, you're just getting an upside pick attached to Patrick Mahomes. Year three, 24 years old. I think Noah Gray does Isaiah likely type of things. And I think it's the same exact case, except nobody is actually drafting Noah Gray. If you're right about Noah Gray, you're going to be about 1% of the team that are actually drafting him. There's some difference making thing. Like the Jake Ferguson's, the Hunter Henry's, they're like actually my favorite 18-round pick. But I want to go a little bit galaxy brains. Uh, for the people that are still 45 minutes listening. In. Yeah, you've talked a lot about 18th round tight ends this offseason. You mentioned two right there. Another one is Luke Musgrave, who's going mm-hmm. to be. I mean, Noah Gray doesn't have an ADP. Um, Good. I, I think my my point with this is Travis Kelsey, if he goes down, I don't think it's going to be like running or tight end insurance, like a tight end handcuff, you know, like. But who's leading? Who's leading? Who's going to lead the team in in targets? Chad Bones still throwing the f- is going to step in oh there. Like God. I think all of these tight ends then like cut it into pieces, and it's not just one dude picking up the Travis Kelsey slack. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, but he he can pick up half of the Travis Kelsey slack, and he's a tight end one. Yeah. All right. MVS goes to the moon if something happens to uh, probably to Travis Kelsey. All right. You did it. I started off good. <laughs> 18 <laughs> rounds. We ran out of steam there. Yeah. Uh, one cheat, but then you made good on it a bit later on. I'll do one of these next week. Uh, we'll put me on the spotlight in the hot seat, and I'll try to pick some names that we have not discussed at all this summer. Uh, tons of content here on the channel. Go and check it out. Uh, we have our sleepers at every single position. Hayden and I just went through 32 facts for 32 teams. That was another great show. So hit, hit that subscribe button. Big August coming up. I'm going to debut my early August rankings in the next couple of days. So go to Underdog Network. Go read the previews too. And big, big request for all of you podcast listeners out there. August is the biggest month in fantasy football content. First week of September, biggest time of the year as well. If you have never rated and reviewed the podcast, yeah, that is what pushes us up to the top of the charts. So if you can do that right now, take 30 seconds after this, leave five stars, a little message, anything to get more eyeballs on the audio feed. And that's the best way of doing it. That would really, really help us out. All right. For Hayden, I'm Josh. Up the bell. We'll talk to y'all soon.